Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hand. And we thank you that your spirit lives in us to teach us that word. And we ask now that you do that, that we may learn and that our hearts may be conformed to your truth. To your glory, we pray. Amen. Now, thinking back about life in Singapore, I remember how as a primary school, young secondary school student, I could go to the cinema and purchase a ticket. Some of you might remember this. For $3.50. Those days are long gone. Uh, But what a thrill as a young primary school student to go to the cinema, something I could afford. And uh, something that would always happen uh, in the cinema is they will show some advertisements and then they will do Akan Datang. Okay, uh, what's coming up next? Right? Well, after this present movie finishes its run, what is the next movie that's coming? What's Akang Datang? Okay, you might notice that that's the title of our sermon today. Might be the first time in BTPC that we have a Malay title, huh? but uh, I'm not going to be preaching in Malay. Okay, so Akang Datang means uh, coming up next. Okay, some of you might want to correct me, but I checked dictionary online and I asked one Malay friend. Okay, this is what he tells me. Akan Datang is coming up next. Alright, okay, see me Paul nodding ahead. Very good, thank you. Now, so Paul, Paul, he's now living on earth. In this passage, he's going to be telling us what's Akan Datang, what's coming up next. And the reason why Paul has to talk about this is because newcomers, New preachers have come to Corinth and they are preaching, uh, always winning, uh, never failing, no defeat, no suffering message. And they're looking at Paul and say, this guy, where's the glory? Uh, he's always suffering, he's always going through hardship. He can't be uh, an authentic minister, he must be a substandard apostle. So Paul has to defend his ministry. And he tells people that real Christian ministry is patterned after the Master. That it must be suffering now before glory later. That's why, even though there's hardships and there's seeming failure, uh, in chapter 4, verse 16, Paul can say, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Because even though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Now, if he takes this outwardly wasting away and inwardly being renewed day by day to the extreme, he leads on to why he must explain himself in chapter 5. Okay, But before we get to that, flip with me uh, to chapter 12, verse 19. So 2 Corinthians, flip to chapter 12. And you see, verse 19 says, Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? That's what it's been sounding like. We've we've been standing here at the pulpit and we've been saying, Oh, through these passages, Paul is defending himself. Now, at the end of the book, he's saying, Have you been thinking all along? We've been defending ourselves? 
We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. So yes, Paul has been defending himself, but he has been doing so in order to strengthen the Corinthians. And so we mustn't just hear this as, oh, what's interesting, what Paul had to do and all that. No, he speaks as one in Christ for our strengthening. So let's hear, let's be challenged and let's be strengthened. Now you can see in the outline that this passage poses at least three questions to us. Okay, It confronts us with three questions. Do we know? And the second one is, are we satisfied now? Please uh, cross out that one and write instead, do we prefer? Now I will explain why there's a change later. Okay, but the, the, the reason will interest you, but akan datang, eh? The third question, are we pleasing? So the passage confronts us with three questions. So the first one, do we know? Do we know? So go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's read from verse 1. Now we know, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, let's get it clear right from the start that the earthly tent Paul is talking about refers to our mortal physical bodies, right? This thing that you see in front of you and the thing that you have, right? This mortal body. And the heavenly home is referring to our new glorified resurrection bodies. Okay, so it's making a comparison between these two things. Now, I'm not going to give you any illustration about uh, camping and, uh, you know, saying about tents being temporary and all that, because uh, if you were Australians, then I would need to do that. Because Australians love camping. And I can see that there are some Australians behind that, so they, they've been in Singapore long enough to not like camping so much. But, but, but if I was in Australia, talking to Australians, I would need to give some illustration about how Camping, well, it's so nice and good. It's only temporary. The tent, even though it's so uh, good and comfortable, it's only lasting for a while because you're Singaporeans. You know, we know the home, the building is so much better. And we know that when it comes to a home, location, location, location. Right, so one is earthly tent. One is heavenly home. Right? Location is so much better. Classier, suburb. So I don't need to convince you, right? We know that a tent is only temporary. But friends, while we know that a home, a house, is better than a tent, the point of Paul's uh, statement here is do we really know? Do we really believe 
that Akang datang for us is a glorified, it's a resurrection body. Do we really know? Do we really believe that? For Paul, he knows this to be a certain reality. And so that's why in verse 2, he says he longs for it to happen. Do we long to have our new glorified resurrection bodies? You see, friends, that's why for Paul, this is such a certain reality. Back in chapter 1, you flip back with me, and you see in verse 9, where he talks about all the affliction, all the hardship he goes through, he comes to the point where he feels as if death is almost at the door. He says in verse 9, Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. For Paul, he can completely rely on God. Even though outwardly he's being hit by affliction after affliction. Because he knows, Akan Datang, God will raise him. That God will give him a new resurrection body. A body that will be fit to inhabit heaven for all eternity. Now some of you may know that uh, a few months ago, Maria and I experienced a bit of a loan shark harassment. Uh, we had taken over the unit from our tenant, and Maria was in the flat uh, doing some packing up. Then when she came out, she saw those uh, loan shark graffiti written on the walls, you know, our unit number, and then the owe money, pay money. And the loan shark left his number there. Now, uh, the loan shark subsequently came back, poured paint on our doors and all that. So, you can imagine that it's quite a, a fearful thing. You can imagine the uncertainty that that episode brought us through. But I want to say that I thank God. I can't speak for Maria, but I thank God that that happened. And I'll tell you why. Because coming back from Australia, one of the things that we were so focused on was trying to get the flat ready. Like so, uh, in our prayers, in our thinking, we are trying to get it ready because we wanted to get into a routine, settle down, right, and get on with life and get on with ministry in Singapore. But our focus was so much on that uh, physical, earthly home that I had begun to lose focus on God. And so when this happened, when, when people start writing on your walls and pouring paint on your doors and don't know what else they will do next, Friends, I tell you, uh, in God's mercy, I was brought to rely on God. That, yes, He is the one that I can rely on fully. He is the one that I can put all my hope, all my trust in. See, things can happen to the flat, it doesn't matter. Things can happen to this body. But God, we must rely on totally. Because even if we die, He has the power to raise us. He is the one who will give us new resurrection bodies. Focus and hope, not on the earthly and temporal, but to trust and rely on a God who can bring us uh, to eternity. And you see, in fact, Paul's hope here is so strong 
that you notice in verse 1 he says we have we would have expected him to say we will have but he's so assured of what we will have from God that he puts it in the present tense it is the language of hope and we must ask the question why is Paul so certain why is he so confident well he gives us the answer in verse 5 where he says now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come it is God himself God who has enabled Paul to be this confident this certain about the future Paul's confidence in what was Akam Data is a gift from God. It was given through uh, the Holy Spirit now dwelling inside Paul as a first fruit, as, as a guarantee, as a deposit of what will be fully his in the future. That same power that raised our Lord Jesus from the dead is now at work in Paul. And friends, now at work in us. Not, not, not some different power. Jesus didn't have some other spirit raising him from the dead. It was the same powerful Holy Spirit that raised him that is now dwelling in us. And because of that reality, Paul is confident and we can be equally confident as well. We can be confident that our mortal bodies will be clothed with immortality we can be confident that this thing that is perishable uh, will be clothed with what is imperishable now before moving on to the next uh, section we must ask here what does Paul mean when he talks about being naked and being clothed Okay, there's uh, a few different views out there but let me ask you when you think in bible terms okay, don't think about uh, you know, your own world, your own background, but think Bible, think Old Testament. Which is the most famous naked person you know? Okay, as you think about it, I'm going to off this thing. <clears throat> I'm not clothed enough, so I'm feeling cold. Okay, who is the most famous naked person you know? Bible terms, ah, don't talk about your other things. Yes? Adam and Eve, yes, thank you. So, Adam, when did he realize he was naked? After his sin. Right? When, he, when he knew the shame, when he felt exposed uh, in front of God's judgment. So I think here, naked refers to the fact that we are fallen. And being clothed means that we will no longer need to be ashamed and feel exposed. So in other words, naked refers in the same way to our mortal physical bodies here on earth. And being clothed is when we have no more need to be ashamed, when we are fully glorified in our resurrection bodies in heaven. And I think the reason why Paul changes the metaphor from tent and home to naked and being clothed is because he wants to insert uh, this thought, this notion that we will be completely transformed. Um, we will be morally 
righteous and perfect on that day. So Paul has told us what he knows. Now he tells us what he prefers. And so the question we ask ourselves is, do we prefer this as well? Verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So you see, for Paul, there's only two realities. Either we are at home in the body and therefore away from the Lord, or we are at home with the Lord and therefore away from this earthly body. And it is clear which one Paul prefers. But we need to spell out exactly what Paul is talking about. Because you see, he's not saying, I prefer to be in the cinema rather than in the library. And so if he's in the library, he'll just take a bus, go to the cinema. No, 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 right? He's talking about needing to go through death in order to go from being at home in the body to being now at home in the Lord, he has to go through death. This earthly tent of his needs to be destroyed. Death has to happen. So Paul is saying he actually prefers death. I prefer death to life now in this body. I prefer death. See, this was a man who was so hungry for God that he refused to be satisfied by the the cotton candy floss that this world has to offer. He prefers death because he wants to be with God. But sadly, it is just the opposite for so many of us. That we are filled and we long and we love to be filled with a second-rate happiness that this world offers, that we are no longer hungry for God. Because my tent, my tent is so comfortable, state of the art. It's got the new iPad. I've got so many games I can play. I've got so many videos to watch here. I've got so many books with nice covers that I don't read. See, one of the reasons why so many Christians are in this state of, of, of being filled with the cotton candy floss of this world that they are no longer hungry after God. The reason why so many Christians are like this is because the church at large, that leaders like me have not confronted you about this obsession, about being saturated with the things of this world. That so often it is good enough that you show up, that you come to church, it's good enough. I don't care what car you show up in. It's good enough that you go away on a holiday and come back. He came back. I don't care how much you spent on that holiday. See, just this week, I was getting the dishwasher reinstalled. Yes, our new flat has a dishwasher. After spending four years... In Australia, now we've gotten used to having a dishwasher. So we, we got a dishwasher for our flat uh, at Toyi. Uh, when you all come and visit, you can see it. Okay? 
Now, the, it, was, it was installed uh, the first time already, but because there was a gas leak in our flats, it's one issue after another, right? But our hope is in the Lord. So I had to ask, I had to ask the guy to come back and remove the dishwasher because behind the dishwasher is uh, one of the joints lah, for the gas pipe. So hopefully it's that joint and not something behind the cabinet, right? But even if it's behind the cabinet, our hope is still in the Lord. Okay, but thankfully, uh, the leak was found and it was in the storeroom. So actually don't even need to remove the dishwasher, but we did it anyway. So I got to call the guy to come back and reinstall. And it's the same guy. And, but this time he reinstalled, uh, different. Didn't do a good job. You know, he, the pipe didn't put properly, squeeze here, squeeze there. I look at it, hey, how come so different from the first time? He said, I don't know, now cannot fit. Then he push, 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 and then he got to hold up. And then, so I'm thinking, ah, oh, yeah, is the, is the drainage pipe kinked or not? Uh, then he lifted it up, it's not resting fully on the cabinet. The snail's so small, can it hold away? And so, you can ask Maria, I came back from that flat uh, that day, and during dinner, I was still brooding over it. I need to call the guy back, and I know what if the dishwasher doesn't work properly, and this, I was brooding over it. So during dinner, instead of enjoying uh, the lovely dinner that my wife cooked and talking with my children, I was deep in thought, brooding about my dishwasher. And friends, I share this to my shame. Because there is a billion people in our world right now who have yet to hear the gospel. There are I don't know how many millions who have perished because of lack of food and clean water. And here I was, brooding about my dishwasher that may not have been installed properly. Friends, I say this to my shame, and I say this to challenge all of us. Are we so saturated and in love and, 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 and filled with the things of this world that we have no hunger, no longing for what is Akam Datang? Friends, we who know, we who have God's word, we who have the Spirit living in us know what is Akam Datang. We should be able to see with eyes of faith what has eternal value what does not? See, only, right, it is only if a person thinks that this tent is all he has, then of course he will do his best to fit it out with portable air conditioner, generator, furniture, built-in furniture for the tent, make it all very nice, because that's all he knows he has. But if we know, if we know that we have an eternal home, not made with hands, made by God, that will last forever in heaven, that this is what is akang datang, then that must change what we see as important here. And that must also change how we see death. The true story of some missionaries who worked for many years in an African tribe. Uh, 
After many years of hard work, there was only one family in that whole tribe that turned to the Lord. But soon after this family became Christian, the eldest son of that family fell seriously ill. And so the the new Christian parents and the missionaries uh, obviously started praying for the son. uh, And they were pleading with God to to show his mercy on this boy. And they were hoping that this, this physical healing that would happen would convince and be a powerful testimony to the rest of the tribe about their power of their God uh, to bring healing, that, that, that He's really uh, the one and true God. But the efforts of prayer and medicine failed. The boy died. And the missionaries thought, <clears throat> this is it, right, finish. Our work here is over. They are never going to believe us now. But to their amazement, the tribal chief came to them and said, we want to become Christians. And the missionary said, why? And the chief replied, we want to have a God who can make us strong to face death like you and that boy did. Now isn't it true that there are too many church groups out there that there are too many Christians out there who have an unbiblical and undue focus and emphasis on physical healing. That, that they cannot conceive that it is possible, that it is God's will for this Christian to die. And that our, our prayers for people who are facing serious illness is so often on God giving miraculous healing when sometimes it might be more appropriate to pray, God, by your mercy, let him die well. We are so wrapped up in this world that we think the only way God can glorify himself is by giving this poor guy a few more years on this poor earth. But what about the testimony that comes the honour to God that comes from a Christian facing death bravely. From a Christian who can face death with joy because he knows what is Akang Datang. What about the honour that God receives when we can face death because we know, yes, soon we will be away from this body and at home forever with the Lord. Friends, we must live by faith, not by sight. The third question this passage poses to us is, are we pleasing? Verse 9. So, we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad.
Now, do you see Paul's logic here? <clears throat> Paul, because he knows what is akan datang, that's what he prefers, that's what he longs for. You see, his goal is to be with Christ. His, his treasure is Christ. That's what his heart is longing for. That's what his heart is focused on. And so now, while he's on earth, away from the Lord, that heart that longs to be with Christ, that heart that has his treasure as Christ, also, naturally, understandably, inevitably, longs to do the works of Christ. Longs to exalt the name of Christ. That heart will rejoice over things that Christ rejoices. That heart will weep over things Christ weeps. Do you see his logic? You can understand it, right? That's where his heart is. And now this is what his heart is longing. This is what is, is compelling him to do. To live now in a way that's pleasing to the Lord that he longs and hungers after. And in verse 10, Paul adds an additional reason for his conduct in the present. That we must all appear <clears throat> before the judgment seat of Christ. Now I know in your Bible study groups probably there's been you know, quite a bit of discussion over this verse. So <clears throat> let's uh, make some observations about what is clear about verse 10. Firstly, uh, who is the judge? And very clearly, it is Christ. Like this, Christ that Paul longs to be with, he knows he will have to front up to him as judge. <clears throat> Excuse me. Observation number two, who is to be judged? Who are the people who will be facing this judgment? Now, while some people argue that it is all people everywhere, every single person, uh, there are others, and I agree with them, that the broader context of 2 Corinthians has a narrower focus. That Paul is talking only about all believers. Right? This sort of judgment that he's talking about here in verse 10 is for believers, okay, for Christians. <clears throat> Number three, we take note that no one, no one can take MC for that day. Okay, everyone without exception will have to appear. Everyone has to front up and face Christ. All Christians, no one is exempt. Okay. Number four, fourth observation. Notice that Paul stresses that we will be judged individually. Because he says, each one, each one will receive what is due him. So, I'm sorry to say you cannot hide behind the BTPC banner. Right? Uh, Ray, which uh, Bible study group do you go for? Which Bible study leader? Huh? Who? Johnson. See, you cannot hide behind Johnson on that day. Right? You have to front up before God as Ray Fu. And all of us will have to do it that way. Uh, number five, what is the standard of the judgment? How will we be evaluated? We will be evaluated according to the deeds. 
the deeds that was done in the body, meaning things that were done by us on earth. Okay, that's clear. And obviously, <clears throat> uh, whether we've done good or done bad, and the good is the deeds that pleases Christ, the bad is the things that do not please Him. Last observation. Uh, what is the purpose of the judgment? Now, uh, I want to make it clear that this judgment seat, this judgment that Paul is referring to here is not, not about determining whether one enters in the kingdom of heaven or not. Right? This is not the judgment that talks about whether this person is saved or not. You know, not the uh, sheep and goats judgment. Right? Because <clears throat> Paul has made clear and it is clear in this book, it is clear in his other writings, that there is no condemnation. There is now no condemnation for him who is in Christ Jesus. We are saved not by our good deeds. We are saved by our faith and trust in Christ. And yet this faith and trust, if it is a real and saving faith, will result in things that we do. Because, because we trust him. We trust he is God. And so it will result in our obedience to Him as God. But this judgment here is not about whether we enter in or don't enter in. Rather, it is to determine, the purpose is to determine how much reward we each will get. Now, the reason why I say this is because in an earlier letter to the Corinthians, earlier letter, not the one that's lost, but the one that has been found, uh, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you flip there, you will see that Paul has already spoken to the Corinthians about reward. So 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11 to 15. Okay, verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So, he has already spoken to the Corinthians about this notion of uh, what we do, whether we build with costly things or we build with um, you know, cheap things, uh, the day, the judgment seat, will show our work for what it is. Things that we've done in the body, whether good or bad. And if it's good, we build with costly stones, we go in silver, we will receive our reward. If we don't, we'll still be saved, but uh, less reward. And uh, we suffer loss. And the loss is... No reward, lah, right? Okay, so, those are the things that are clear. 
about verse 10. Now, some of you will be thinking, I know with questions on your lips already, I can see in your faces, what is this reward, right? What is this reward? Okay, now I have uh, my own views about it that I've uh, come to learn from uh, people, discussing with people, which I'm not going to share with you because I'm not going to stand here speculating about something that Paul doesn't talk about explicitly. You want to know, you talk to me later. But a better question to ask, which he doesn't specify explicitly, but a better question to ask is, what are the good deeds? What are the things that are done in the body which Christ will consider good? Right? I mean, we are Singaporeans, right? We are so exam smart. This exam here, we want to know what is the standard, what is the good, what is the bad. Am I right? Am I wrong? Correct? So what is the thing that is pleasing? What is the thing that is good? Well, he doesn't explicitly spell it out. But you see that he says, he says, verse 9, we make it our goal to please him. So obviously Paul is thinking, uh, these are the things that will be considered good. What I do that pleases Christ is what is good. Okay? Now, if Paul says here that his goal is to please Christ and therefore to do the things that are good, then it is only a short step to see what are the things that Paul is so focused on doing. Right, what, what from his life can we see is his goal, is his passion, what is the thing that drives him? And if we can see that, then we know, yes, according to Paul, this is what he thinks is pleasing, this is what he thinks will bring pleasure to Christ, this is what he thinks will be good, that on that last day, Christ will say, ha ha, you did so many good things, come in and receive your reward. And we can see, do we not, that Paul's was a life that was all about seeing the gospel advance. Paul's was a life that wanted to see the name of Christ lifted up. Paul's was a life that was willing to risk it all in order for people to see and receive Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. That he would be willing to go through affliction after affliction. That he would count his life as nothing. If only more will taste and savor the sweetness and joy of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Of having the same hope of Akang Data, we will be with him. Because Paul is someone who lived by faith, not by sight. Because of what he knew was coming up, he lived this life doing the things that have eternal value. So friends, do we know, do we prefer, are we pleasing? Because we exist to bring pleasure to Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we do not have to manufacture by ourselves, this knowledge, this preference for being with you, but that you, in your gracious gift of your Spirit, uh, do that work of uh, weaning us 
from being so infatuated with the temporal joys and trinkets of this world. And we ask, would you please uh, do, do that work even more? Cause our eyes to see with eyes of faith what are the things that truly have value and what do not. And may we live this life, therefore, in light of that future hope, in light of that future judgment, to do things that are pleasing to you and not to ourselves. Thank you, Father. Amen.